on today's episode of the podcast, I decide that we need to get a little strange, a little weird, and examine one of the most bizarre days, not only in the history of soccer, but in the history of all of American sports. Things are pretty weird and strange and bizarre right now, so it seems appropriate. They are. So buckle up, Drew, and buckle up all of you guys, because this is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history, still with a healthy dose of stupidity. You know, lots of things are changing right now in the world, but one thing that will cease to change is the amount of stupidity in our podcast. We promise to bring you the stupidity as long as we are recording the podcast. The stupidity level is always extremely high. It is so high that it, it's the stupidity around here is Drew's apartment is a red zone, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, yes. A red zone of stupidity. stupidity as opposed to red zones of something else. Of something else. Even, of anything else at all. Anything, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I am everyone's least favorite uh, freelancer that had a... An agreement with the athletic that is now on pause, and so I'm kind of unemployed. Adam Whitaker Snavely. Joined as always by your real life brother Drew Snavely, who okay. is myself. Thanks for picking that up. Yeah, <laughs> you are so welcome. Uh, you know. Your times are are weird right now, and yep. um everybody is kind of banding together and trying to do what they can to get by, and so which includes helping me out. Which includes uh, helping you out. And I appreciate already there's been a lot of support. Uh, I just started a newsletter also under kind of like the Deadball branding called Deadball Daily. Uh, people have been subscribing to that um, and helping me out as I have found myself without a job for the time being, as a lot of people have. Um, so that's really been super nice of people. Um, <laughs> I really, really appreciated that. Um but yeah, it is definitely a weird time, uh, but you know what? I'm thankful for the podcast, thankful for a little slice of uh, a little slice of normalcy, a little bit of funny to help me get through the week, Yeah, yeah. and ignore all my other problems. <laughs> we're not on lockdown yet, so we're still getting together and recording, um, but still practicing a very safe distance between each other at least four feet right yeah now. we can't we can't touch each other at all right now yeah so uh i came in the first thing the first thing i've done the last two weeks coming into drew's apartment has been wash my hands yeah vigorously it's very very uh thoughtful and with gusto yes yes it's been it's been nice and after you washed your hands you have grabbed a drink i have because as we all know alcohol kills germs <laughs> Drink more, it will kill the... Don't. Don't, 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 don't listen we're not, to us. Don't listen to our medical advice. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's a terrible You should, idea. in fact, do the opposite of whatever we suggest you do, for as far as medical. Unless what we're saying is exactly what doctors have said, such Which, as wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. You should probably wash your hands. Don't go congregate in large groups. Don't touch your face. Yeah. yeah. Th- those things. I'm awful at not touching my face. Adam, I touch my face so much. Yeah, no, I literally exist to touch my face. It is <laughs> that, is, that is my one. Every, purpose if in there's life. one thing this whole Corona pandemic has has taught me, it's that my sole purpose in life is just 
to touch my face. I do not do anything besides that. So, but anyways, this is this isn't a coronavirus podcast. It's not, not a COVID nineteen podcast. It is a soccer history podcast. And Adam, today you have a story for us that is bizarre. One of the most bizarre days in U.S. sports history is what you told me yes. before we started recording. It is 100% one of the most bizarre days in U.S. sports history. There is comedy. There is drama. There is some record-breaking viewership numbers. There is just absolutely bizarre circumstances that span across at least three different sports. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're not just sticking with soccer today. We're not, we're not only we sticking are, with we soccer. We are branching out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's, so, let's get into it. Drew, as you probably know, the 1994 World Cup was hosted by the United States of America. Yes, maybe. it was. Great year. Year before I was born. It's a famous tournament. For many reasons. It's still the most attended World Cup of all time, both on average, games exceeding an average of 69,000 tickets per game. Nice. nice. And overall attendance at over 3.5 million people. Wow. Attending all of the games, like all of it cumulatively. I didn't realize that. Yes. That's cool. This was the final World Cup that had 24 teams qualified in the final tournament as in 1998 they moved to the current format which is 32 teams okay which also makes the number of attendees very impressive yeah because there were less games yeah like a lot less games yeah and they still have the most cumulative attendance of any world cup still that is pretty wild it's kind of wild yeah uh it had a plucky underdog run from the united states um it had the tragic Murder of legendary Colombian defender Andres Escobar. Yep. Brazil set a record by winning its fourth World Cup, the most by any team at the time. Now, they still have the most World Cup by any team. With five. It's five. Yes. And Germany and Italy both have four. Yes. Um, and, of course, a number of truly glorious mullets. Oh. There were so many mullets, It was mullets, mullet dude. season. Dude, there were so many mullets. Mullets. I think uh, mullets are trying to make a comeback. Uh, uh, well, with our with our cousin Will. Cornfield. Yeah, if you look if you look at our cousin Will Cornfield's Instagram, they're definitely making. A look up Will Cornfield on but Instagram, and you'll even, see. Even but even Will's mullet had nothing on mullets that were being uh, sported by Marcelo Balboa, Tony Miola when he still had hair. Yeah, they were more uh, more time was spent into to making the mullet. Will's is still a little. Uh, Young little, little baby mullet. Yeah, it needs to get a little more full. A little dirtbag mullet. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely that is that it's what it is. That's but just what it is. He's still, also wearing a mustache. Still looks great. The mustache is is great too. <laughs> However, what many people might not recall, especially amongst those like us who are either too young to remember the 1994 World Cup or weren't even born yet, as is your case. Yes, was that the first day? of the 1994 World Cup was not only one of the strangest opening days in World Cup history, but one of the weirdest days in American sports ever. June 17th, 1994. Now, going into the 1994 World Cup, the U.S. had a lot to prove. They had no active professional soccer league, the NASL being long dead, and only a few semi-pro leagues operating with any consistency in the United States. Yeah. You may recall 
that the birth of MLS was actually a condition upon which the United States was given the 1994 World Cup. Oh. So, I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. I, I think a lot of people do know it, but in case you didn't know, yeah. listener, the reason that MLS exists is that when the United States was bidding for the 1994 World Cup and eventually was awarded it, FIFA awarded it on the condition that the United States would set up a full-time professional men's soccer league in their country. Wow, thank you, FIFA, for strong-arming us into... Yeah, yeah really, they, they <laughs> did it. Making the country uh, have a professional soccer league. Oh, yeah. The United States men's national team level of play also did not inspire much confidence around the no, world. absolutely not. Uh, the men's team had only qualified for their first World Cup since 1950 in 1990, and they only qualified for that World Cup because Mexico was banned from all international competition from 1988, or yeah, 1988 to 1990, after they used four overage players on their U20 team for the CONCACAF U20 Championships in 1988. Which, first of all, is so dumb because there's absolutely no way that any other team was beating Mexico, even if you didn't use those overage players. At the U-20 World Cup, Mexico's strongest teams has always been their youth teams. What are you doing, Mexico? <laughs> hey, man, when you're going for gold, it doesn't matter what tournament it is. You uh, look for an edge. And uh, as, a, as a philosopher once said, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's very dumb on Mexico's part to, to do that. Yes. In addition to all of that, the U.S. finished dead last at the 1990 World Cup. Basically, there were very good, legitimate reasons to not be very hopeful that the USA could organize a World Cup well or even generate interest in it in their own country. Yeah. The U.S., however, had two things going for him. Number one, their sales pitch for the 1994 World Cup was much the same as their sales pitch for the 2026 North American World Cup that's going to happen, theoretically. Due to massive immigration influxes over its history, the entire world already lived in the United States. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. basically, every team that would play in the United States already had massive communities of expats, first and second generation Americans, that their parents were from these countries, that they all lived in the United States already. And also, number two, this was America. And if Americans knew one thing, it was how to throw a big, impressive-looking party. Heckin' yeah. <laughs> Heckin' hell yeah, brother. Yeah, so I've watched some, like the video of the opening ceremony so many times. Oh yeah, dude. Here we go. It's incredible. <laughs> the organizers turned their attention then to the opening ceremony at Chicago's Soldier Field. Heck yeah. Now, the World Cup opening ceremony doesn't quite have the same uh, cultural cachet, we'll say. Ooh. As the Olympic opening ceremony. That didn't sound stupid. That didn't that, sound... That, that sounded highly intelligent. Oh, that sounded like Adam actually has two degrees in English. <laughs> Which he does. <laughs> I totally do. <laughs> um, it doesn't have the same notoriety as the Olympic opening ceremony, which gets its own day and hours and hours of television coverage. Comparatively, the World Cup opening ceremony takes place without the majority of the teams competing there and is usually a much shorter affair that takes place before the first game. Yes. That didn't stop the United States from pulling out all the stops. Hey, go big or go home. Oh, they went big. 
They move quickly, securing top acts to participate alongside small bits of dancers doing traditional dances from each country participating, which some of them were better than others. Yes. I, Switzerland's dance literally just consisted of a bunch of like Hansel and Gretel looking ass people in like these like lederhosen and long dresses with flowers embroidered on them, holding hands and like jumping around in a circle. Like it was bad. I don't know. Like maybe that is a traditional Swiss dance, but it didn't look like it took a lot of skill to complete. And I'm thinking that maybe there could have been literally anything. Like you could have just put one guy building a cuckoo clock out there and I would have been like, nice. <laughs> Can't do that. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, gosh. These musical acts to accompany included Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates. Yes. Oprah as the MC of the event, and the headliner, Diana Ross, who was and a still legend. is a big friggin' deal. Yes. Yes, a legend through and through. The opening ceremony was impressive in front of a sold-out crowd of 67,000 people. So close to nice. Oh, just just, just under, under nice. But soon became famous for two events that occurred. Number one, as Oprah announced international pop superstar Diana Ross from a platform she was standing on, she tripped and fell off the platform. <laughs> yes. The cameras quickly cut to Diana Ross, standing on one end of the pitch in a bright red blazer and pants, wearing heels, as she sang hit song, I'm Coming Out, while she ran down the entire length of the field, surrounded by dancers. The climax of this run was supposed to take place at the other end of the field, where a small fake goal had been set up, guarded by a goalkeeper, and a ball placed a few feet from it. Diana Ross, in all her glory ran up to the ball, then did two fake kicks that are now illegal by FIFA penalty standards. Yes. And then, finally, ran up to the ball and swung her leg through it. She missed. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast brought to you by Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. It is all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, or even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to get some of that free, free money. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Thank you so much to Bet Online for sponsoring today's podcast and all the podcasts across Blue Wire Network. I know it's been a tough time for them as well as lots of other people with sports shutting down, but they're still going strong. They're still sticking with us, and so we're trying to give a little bit of love back to them in the process. And Drew, I think we also have a, a listener review. We do have a listener review. Oh, a listener review. Yes, Let's yes. Get it. MMCQ5 took the time mm, to. Mm, k- 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 five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, MMCQ5 took the time to to review us, uh, gave us five stars, which is 
Amazing. We're uh, now at uh, 45 five-star ratings, so we're closing on 50, which, yes. is, which is pretty dope. Yeah, we are, we are so very close. But anyways, MMCQ5 said, great podcast, a unique and hilarious voice in the world of soccer podcasts. I always look forward to listening. Thank you, MMCQ5, Thank you so much. for taking the time to review us and saying those kind words. Um, and if anybody else is out there listening and hasn't given us a review yet but would like to, um, we will give you a shout out because we love shouting out people who take the time to review us. We love and shout lis- outs. And listening to us yeah. talk about soccer. Super thankful for all of our listeners, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how much support you can or cannot give us. We're just really, really thankful for you guys listening to us and helping us grow this little community that we have. Yes. If you would want to go further, Beyond just a review, uh, we have a Dead Ball Brothers merch store at Teespring. The the link will be in the description. Yes, it we will. have long sleeve shirts, short sleeve shirts, hoodies, um, all with various Dead Ball Brother designs, uh, designed by Adam Snavely himself, Ooh. and uh, they are very cool. So check that out. You can click the link below. Um, but I believe that's everything, and we can get back into the story. Let's get back into it. We are back. Adam, we uh, have a missed kick on our hands. Okay, so obviously Diana Ross missing the choreographed penalty kick is one of the most unintentionally iconic moments in all of World Cup history. (laughs) Uh, A great depiction of the current state of soccer in the United States. Sure, definitely. But I just want to point out a couple things about Diana Ross's performance. Number one, she was wearing heels and ran the entire length of a grass soccer field in those heels. That is damn impressive. Yeah, that is very impressive. I don't care who you are, and that should be noted and remembered amongst her considerable accomplishments as a performer. Yes. And there's a ton of accomplishments that Diana Ross has as a performer. Yes. That is definitely one of them. Number two, and this is going back into making fun of the moment. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't appear that anyone consider what might happen if Diana Ross were to miss the goal. <laughs> because after she kicked the ball, the goal immediately broke in half down the middle. Like the goal itself. Yeah. It was clear that the performance was supposed to go as follows. Diana Ross kicks the ball. The goalkeeper would immediately dive far out of the way to his right. So that she could just kick the ball down the middle and then the goal would split from the awesome velocity of Diana Ross's right foot. Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> Ross kicked the ball so far to the goalkeeper's right that she not only missed the goal by a couple of feet, but the goalkeeper clearly has to make his dive far less dramatic and far out in order to avoid actually blocking her shot. Yes. <laughs> which he was not supposed to do. Yes. It still missed. I think everybody was a bit confused as to where to go at that point. Yeah. But Diana Ross, consummate professional, registers what happened, just runs up to the platform and continues singing her Yeah, song. you just got to keep on you going just, You with just it. keep on going. Yeah, you and can't. she did. Yeah. And, and it was a little bit of an all-time sports blunder, but it was a little bit of a lighthearted affair. And I think 
that it didn't really hamper any proceedings. It was just a very funny and peculiar moment. I mean, she was a, a musician and performer. She's not an athlete. Yep. You know, we're not so expecting her. No, we, we you don't expect, expect that. Yeah. And she was wearing heels. And she was wearing heels. So. I can't walk in heels. I know. I've tried like a long time ago yeah, when yeah. I was like a little Mom's kid. I couldn't heels. do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a mess. Yeah. The day was not done, however. In a game that would have surprisingly a lot of connections to soccer in the United States, the opening ceremony was followed by the opening game of the tournament. Defending World Cup champions Germany, competing as a united country and not West Germany and East Germany for the first time in decades. Fun facts. That is fun. Versus Bolivia. Germany were expected to cruise to victory over the South American Minnows, who hadn't competed in a World Cup since 1950. Yeah. And had never scored a goal in the competition before. Yeah. <laughs> Rough. Yeah, not, not great. The champions had a very difficult time, however, as Bolivia's golden generation clung on to a nil-nil scoreline through the first half and well into the second and scared Germany more than a few times with a lightning-quick counterattack. Oof. Germany would be rescued, however, by none other than Jurgen Klinsmann. Oh, man. Future United States men's national team coach, German... German? German? I almost said German Klinsmann. Ger- German Klinsmann. <laughs> <laughs> Which I suppose is technically accurate. German Klinsmann. He is German. Kurgan Jinsmann. Oh, man. No, that's too close. Yeah. Too okay. close. Too close. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But none other than future United States men's national team coach Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> Breaking past a high Bolivian defensive line, taking a layoff, and dinking the ball into an empty net to give the Germans the lead. In an attempt to scrounge out a draw, Bolivia brought on two players who, in a few years' time, would become legendary players in MLS with DC United. Ah. Marco Echeverri and Jaime Moreno. Okay. Unfortunately, Echeverri got a red card four minutes after he came on the field. Yeah, it's brutal. For a two-footed challenge, and Germany saw the rest of the game out. There was still one more World Cup game to be played that day, however. Several states south, Spain and South Korea, were getting ready to kick off at the Cotton Bowl in Texas. Spain, at the international level, was at that point an established bridesmaid, but never the bride. Yeah. They were a team that were accustomed to making it into knockout rounds of tournaments, maybe even getting to quarterfinal rounds, but then not really doing anything past that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really until like the 2000s and the early 2010s that Spain became like kind of an international force. Yeah. Uh, and a team that was like, this team is one of the best teams in the world. Yes. Kind of thing. Um, South Korea, on the other hand, had never gotten out of the group stage of the World Cup and had only managed... One draw in their World Cup history against Bulgaria in 1986. It's a while ago. It soon became apparent, however, that much like the Bolivians before them, South Korea were not content to simply grind out a result, trading some impressive offensive buildup with the favored Spaniards. They also got a boost 25 minutes in when Spanish captain Miguel Angel Nadal was given a red card. Oh, wow. So 25 minutes in, Spain's down to 10 men. And South Korea is putting together some actual build-ups, like, wow, South Korea can actually play this game kind of moments. However, like Bolivia before them, they entered halftime with the score still tied at 0-0. 
It was at about this time in Los Angeles, California, that police had located O.J. Simpson in a white Ford Bronco running away from the police. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. gosh. This is where things start getting real yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Earlier that day, police detectives in Los Angeles had recommended that O.J. Simpson be arrested for the murder of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ron Goldman. Simpson appeared to indicate that he would willingly turn himself into the police, then fled, sending a statement of innocence and a suicide note to one of his lawyers, Robert Shapiro, to be read at a press conference. Several hours later, police finally located Simpson, who was being driven by friend Al Cowlings, while Simpson was in the back seat, armed with a gun. Yes. Buffalo Bills legend O.J. Simpson. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Who is, to my knowledge, still on the Buffalo Bills Ring of Honor? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's still up. His name is up on... um I guess it's New Era Field. New now. Era, yeah, New Era Field. Um, yeah, it's, it's the Ralph. It, everybody still calls it the yeah, Ralph. Yeah, 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 the Ralph Wilson Stadium, and I'm pretty sure his name's still up there. I remember reading a thing where uh, O.J. Simpson was. There's a restaurant across the highway because there's a there's a an interstate that like runs right by the field in Orchard Park, and there's a restaurant across the highway from it, and it's kind of like. Buffalo Bills themed because of course it is. Like yeah, it's right next to yeah, the stadium. It has to be. And there's a bunch of like cartoon figures frosted on the glass, and one of them was O.J. Simpson, because O.J. Simpson yeah, was yeah, such yeah, a good yeah. football player. Yeah. And after the O.J. Simpson trial and everything happened, I was reading this thing where it was the somebody interviewed a woman who had worked there for like decades, and she said for about like a year, we would come in. We would open and also close, and the first thing that we'd have to do when opening or closing would be clean the ketchup off the glass that people had squirted around O.J. Simpson. Oh god! And or take off a like a bread knife that people had taped into his hand. Oh god! Which woof? They didn't have somebody clean that cleaning that during the day. Like well, after I, it was probably happened. it was probably closing. It was probably yeah, mostly yeah. closing slash like during the day, and yeah. not like opening. So. O.J. Simpson was finally located on a highway in Los Angeles. In Dallas, the second half kicked off. Yes. And all soon seemed lost for the South Koreans. Spain struck in quick succession, first in the 51st minute off of a Julio Salinas strike, then in the 55th after several rebounded saves resulted in a header by midfielder Goiko. What's that's my favorite nickname for a, a player ever. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more <laughs> on car insurance. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even think of that. Goiko. I, I was just thinking of the Greek yogurt. <laughs> Goiko. Goiko. Yogurt laden with protein. <laughs> oh, gosh. Korea never stopped attacking, however, forcing Spain back more and more as the game wore on. Spain also obviously down to 10 men. The breakthrough occurred in the 85th minute when Hong Myung-bo's free kick took a nasty deflection off the wall, completely wrong-footing Spanish goalkeeper and future Real Madrid goalkeeper Santiago Cañizares. Um, He actually, it was funny, Spain's team, their two goalkeepers, it was like very hotly contested over who should actually be the number one. Yeah. And Cañizares was the one who got the start. He had just signed a contract to join Real Madrid. Their other goalkeeper, whose name I can't remember at the time, played for Barcelona. So there was like very like a lot of tension yeah, yeah. <laughs> between the two of them. 
South Korea kept pressing and charging forward before, in the 90th minute, paydirt. A team move not unreminiscent of a tiki-taka style that would come to typify the Spanish game in another decade or so, the Koreans worked the ball around the edge of the box before brilliantly freeing So Jung Wong, who won. Won? I, I'm trying. I'm, my Korean pronunciation is not great. Yeah, probably. I'm yeah. pretty sure So Jung Wong yeah. is how you, that is pronounced. Yes. Who slotted the ball past Kanyazaris emphatically. It was, it's a really, really legitimately great team move. It's yeah. like five passes all one touch like working one twos and then like slipping the ball through the defense yeah it's really really that's nice. so awesome um the crowd went ballistic as there was a large south korean contingent in the crowd the south koreans went nuts when the final whistle blew the korean players celebrated as if they had won the match the spanish player on the ball at the end of the at the end of the game picked the ball up and actually punched it as hard as he could in frustration. What? I was watching the highlights. I couldn't find which south korean or which span spanish player it was yeah. because of quality is butt cuz it's 1994. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I couldn't find like articles that said who actually did it. But the player who was on the ball, the referee blows the whistle and he literally picks the ball up, turns around and the Koreans are all like pumping their fists and like going nuts uh-huh. and the Spanish player just takes it and punches the ball as far as he can. The Spaniards were pissed. They yeah. were so upset. Oh gosh. <laughs> but the World Cup 1994 already had an iconic comeback from an underdog at their their second game of the tournament. Yeah. It was not until after that game finished that nationwide attention swept to the helicopters tracking the low-speed pursuit of O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Who had already threatened to kill himself and was wanted for murder. All the major networks ran with coverage of the chase, including NBC, who at the same time was broadcasting Game 5 of the NBA Finals. What? Yes. The game was being shown in a small box in the corner of the screen while the rest of the screen was devoted to the car chase. Oh my gosh. People were lining up on overpasses over the high, over the highways for yeah. some reason cheering on O.J. Simpson. I'm not sure why people were cheering on O.J. Simpson. Um, it could be because he was a super popular player at USC when he was in college. Um, obviously an iconic Southern Californian institution. Um, but regardless, all the national attention was being affixed on this car chase. Yeah. In the meantime, NBC was playing game five of the NBA finals between the Houston Rockets and the New York Knicks in a little tiny corner on the corner of the screen. And also it's funny and, and like ironic and bizarre because the 1994 NBA finals were like, is one of like the great finals ever. Like people talk about those series with the Knicks and the Rockets in like super revered terms. Who won? Uh, you'll soon find out. Oh, okay. More people tuned into the OJ Simpson chase than had watched the Super Bowl a couple months prior. Oh my god! It was estimated that ninety million people watched the Super Bowl, and it was estimated that ninety-five million people watched the OJ Simpson chase. Wow. There's literally stories of like the streets in Los Angeles being just empty because everybody was inside or crowded into bars just watching the chase. That is crazy. Yeah. It was, it's, it's like one of the greatest like monoculture events in, in United States history. It's like people remember where they were when like JFK died, when they found out about nine 11, like that sort of thing. Yeah. People remember where they were when the OJ Simpson chase occurred. 
and it occurred on June 17th, 1994. That is wild. You know what? I was cooking in the womb by then, so. <laughs> oh my God, cooking. Uh, yeah, because it's like Ugh. June, July, August, September, October, November. Please never yeah. refer to anything involving yeah. our mother I, like I that had ever been, again. Uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely kicking in the womb by then. So you were a child of the O.J. Simpson chase, one might say. Yeah, maybe I was a O.J. Simpson baby. I don't know. That's, that sounds that, terrible. That's not a name that anybody yeah, wants. That's no, not something no, that anybody no, wants. No. O.J. Simpson eventually turned himself in and was subsequently acquitted of murder in arguably the highest profile court case in American history. Game five of the NBA Finals was won by the New York Knicks, who took a 3-2 lead in the Finals, but would ultimately lose the next two games and the NBA championships to the Houston Rockets. Gotcha. This is like prime time when like the Knicks had like Patrick Ewing, yeah, the Rockets yeah, yeah. had Akeem Olajuwon, like all these iconic players. Spud Webb, pretty sure Spud Webb was playing for the Houston Rockets at the time. Oh, wow. Um, South Korea would go on to draw with Bolivia before losing another nail-biter of a game to Germany 3-2. Oh, wow. A result that ultimately saw Germany top the group and Spain advance out of the group stage in second place. While South Korea, unfortunately, were eliminated along with Bolivia. Spain was bounced in the quarterfinals by eventual finalists Italy, while Germany exited in the quarters at the hands of Bulgaria. Brazil would go on to win the tournament, and that was June 17th, 1994. Wow. There are other things that occurred on that day, too. It was like the NBA Finals were going on. Uh, you had the World Cup opening day. There was the O.J. Simpson thing. That day was the day that like Jack Nicholas was playing in his last over U.S. Open. Oh, really? Yeah, before wow. he retired. Um that year was the year that Major League Baseball didn't have a World Series because the players went on strike. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, which is, wow. it's only happened twice since, like, the inception of Major League Baseball that there was no uh, there was no World Series in a year when the league was supposed to be playing it. And it was, well, like, 1994 and 1902, I think. It's probably going to happen or again. Or 1904 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Well, we'll see. It might, might be this year. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah. June 17th has, like, an entire ESPN 30 for 30 documenting, like, everything that occurred during the O.J. Simpson case and and Chase and all that stuff. Um, a bunch of sources that I used, um, there was a bunch of New York Times match reports for the World Cup games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a couple of Guardian articles that I used for the actual opening ceremony. The Associated Press itself had... Uh, a bunch of O.J. Simpson news, facts, and figures. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to find news articles about the O.J. Simpson yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. You probably have to, like, pick and choose which ones you want to use. Yeah, it's, it's not exactly bizarre World Cup history yeah. that we're going into. Um, or obscure, that is to say. But it's definitely weird. And it's kind of crazy that all of that stuff occurred on the same day as the opening day of this Yeah, what a weird, weird day. It's so strange. World Cup day. So yeah, I I just thought like the entire flow of the day was kind of odd and noteworthy enough to be do you know who, immortalized by our podcast. Do you know who was airing the World Cup in the US? What station? Mm, I do not. Okay. If I had to take a stab, I would probably say it was ESPN. Yeah. I don't know if it was on an actual network. Gotcha. Um, if it was, I mean, ESPN and ABC 
were the World Cup people for forever. Yeah. Um, and then this last World Cup, last last men's World Cup um, in 2018 was like the first time in forever that it was someone else and it was Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like wondering uh, if the broadcast of the game itself switched if, if any of the games were go- that were going on that day. I don't think so. It's to- hard. It's hard to like tell the exact timeline because we're also talking about different time zones. Yeah. Um, I think the OJ Chase itself actually began during the second half of the South Korea game. Uh huh. And like the big news, like everybody watching it, mostly was after the game was done. Um, the news that OJ Simpson was wanted for murder certainly would have happened like and occurred before and or during those two games. Yeah. Slash the opening yeah, ceremony. Definitely. Um, so that was, I mean, like it was all just, it was cause it was like a full day cause it was like 11 AM in LA. They announced that he was wanted for murder. Yeah. So like going on down the line, it was, it was pretty clear that there was something happening. Yeah throughout that day wild man mm-hmm. what a day what a weird fantastic sporting day for the united states and the world really mm. not fantastic like the whole oj thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, that, the oj simpson guess was and circumstances surrounding it but i mean uh, world Cup, that's that's fantastic. really exciting and then you also have um i mean like the nba finals that's really cool too i guess you could make an argument that oj simpson getting acquitted from getting acquitted of murder is the most successful Bill's achievement of all time. Oh, gosh. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely going going to four straight Super Bowls and losing each one. <laughs> each and every single yes. one of them. Yes. It's unfortunate, but it is. We're the only team to, to go to four we, Super Bowls. We're the only team that so, only go for it. Hey, I feel like if we're the only team to do something like that... Uh, I just saw a news clipping that the Patriots were trying to sign Brian Hoyer. Oh, yeah. I, I also <laughs> saw that, too. Oh, man. <laughs> Bill's going to eat good this year. Yeah. If there's a season. If there is a season. Yes. We'll see. Amen to that, brother. We'll see. Well, that's all we got. Yeah. Thank you for the story, Adam. Absolutely no problem. What a and if, bonkers day. And if you like listening to weird stuff like that in soccer history... Go ahead and feel free to subscribe to our podcast. It really, really helps if you are subscribing and downloading. It helps our traffic, and our traffic generally helps us get seen by more people. So if you haven't done that, please consider doing that. Um, If you don't want to do that, obviously... Uh, you don't have to. We're not your parents or God, so we, you know, we don't really have any authority over your lives. But uh, if you want to help us out, that would be pretty sweet. And as always, if you want to follow us on social media stuff, we are at Deadball Pro, that Deadball Pod everywhere. So that's on Twitter, that's on Instagram, that's on Facebook. Most active on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow our personal Twitter accounts, I'm at Snaves, S-N-A-V-E-S. Drew is at Drew underscore Snavely. Make sure the E becomes before the L, and you should be good to go there. And you can email us, comments, suggestions, queries, and sarcastic remarks at uh, deadballpod at gmail.com. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all of it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we will hopefully, uh, see you again next week. And, uh, until that time, we love you all super platonically. Yes. Just so platonically it hurts. Oh, it hurts every 
part of my body. It hurts so, so good. It hurts so good. Got that right. Got that right. Oh, man. Yep. We should end this. Yeah, it's time to be done. <laughs> All right.